0: (laughs) Uh, Josh is alive. That's great. Well, happy Labor Day weekend uh, to all of you, and I hope you have a a great time. Our younger daughter was visiting with the uh, three little boys, and um, so it's been quite an active household, to say the least. And if I look tired, it's only because I am, okay? So uh, all grandparents know what I'm talking about. Amen? Amen. Yeah, grand to see him come, grand to see him go. There you go. John 14 in your Bibles is where we're going to pick up this morning. And uh, it's really picking up from just a week ago when we were in part one uh, of the message, Tell Your Heart to Beat Again, a beautiful song that Danny Gokey has made quite famous uh, is the basis for the title of uh, of the message. If you don't have a Bible... Uh, that you brought with you today. There is one in the chair in front of you, and it's on page 901 uh, in that Bible, the Gospel of John chapter 14. I pulled out of my files the other day, going back over 20 years, when I was a senior pastor, and uh, I just happened to bring up uh, one of the days in the life of of my being a pastor. So I would do this from time to time. I would just kind of keep a journal and special things or whatever and just, or just average mundane things and just put it away. Now this is the one I pulled out of the folder and it so fits this morning. Here's what I experienced just in one day in the, in the pastorate. A husband left his wife and family. Someone's mother died. Instead of going on a planned vacation, the individual is in traction in the hospital. A man just lost his job. He has a wife and two boys to support. Someone's son had tests for what could be malignant cancer. Someone's brother has cancer. Someone had surgery. Someone is deeply frustrated in life, unable to cope another person is contemplating suicide now that was all in one day in the life of my pastoral ministry i'm not saying that every day is like that day who could cope with that day after day after day after day i think it does remind us how we need to pray for our pastor rob because he faces things like this on a daily basis between when you see him this sunday morning and the next Sunday morning. And that's all involved in the life of of spiritual leadership. The point is there's a lot of troubled, broken hearts that are hurting, that are all around us today. As I said last week, as one aged pastor said 50 years ago to me, in every pew there is a troubled heart. So if that's true for you, if you came with something really aching in your heart today, you've got a troubled heart. You need to be reminded that the Lord in the fullness of his work has really already repaired your heart. And now in the words of Danny, you just got to tell your heart to beat again and claim the promises of our great God. Last week we saw four causes of a troubled heart in the context of John 14. The matter of disloyalty, which of course, Judas Iscariot. Death, the Lord Jesus is dying. He's leaving his disciples. Disappointment, the disciples are totally disappointed. Thinking that Jesus would set up the kingdom and they would reign with him. They would be delivered from Roman oppression. And then, of course, disobedience. Lord, why can't I go with you? If it's a matter of death, I'll lay down my life for you. Will you, Peter? I'm telling you, before the cock crows, you have denied me. And that came to fulfillment in just a short time later. All these causes, I think, if you take whatever you're bringing in with you today with a, a, with a troubled heart, it'll fall under one of those four areas. Someone's been disloyal to you. Someone is dying or you're dying. In the imminent sense. Somebody has disappointed you. Maybe you even think God has. Someone's been disobedient. You're not walking in obedience to the word of God. These things cause a troubled heart, a troubled spirit, an aching soul. So we need a a cure for it. And we ended last Sunday morning's message with faith in a personal Lord. One of the great, great verses is in verse six where it speaks so exclusively. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. Your friends will not mind probably that you are a Christian and that you speak of Christ being a way to heaven. But when you talk about the exclusivity of it, that he is the only way, there is no other way. What about these people who belong? There's no other way. What about my, he was such a, there's no other way. There's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved but the name of the Lord Jesus. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but through me. This has to be the start of how I get a cure for a troubled, aching soul and heart. Faith in my personal Lord. And underlying personal. I heard for 21 years Christ died for the sins of the world. And then it came home to me Christ died for my sins. A personal Savior. Not just the Savior of the world. Number two principle is faith in a providential Lord. Let me pick it up in verse 7 of John 14. If you had known me, you would have known my father also. From now you do not know him and have seen him. Philip says, Lord, show us the father and it will satisfy us. And Jesus said, have I been so long with you, Philip? Don't you know who's ever seen me has seen the father? Do you not believe that I'm in the father of the father in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. But the father who dwells in me, he's doing his work. Believe me that I am in the father the the is in me or us believe in me. Count of the very works themselves. Verses 7 through 11, we see a very powerful truth here. Because Jesus has just told us back in John chapter 14 verse 2. He says, and if I go, what? I will prepare a place for you. An apartment, a living place. So Jesus right now, is, he, he went to heaven to prepare an eternal abode for you. But heaven is a prepared place for a prepared people. And what is God doing now? He's preparing you for that place in heaven. So heaven being a prepared place for a prepared people says, he's got a place prepared in heaven. Now he's preparing us for that place. And one of the things that he uses, if not the main thing, is the trials and the sufferings of life. When are we especially drawn to seek the Lord with all of our heart, body, and soul. It's not usually when things are flourishing, it's when things are heavy on the heart. And Lord, to whom else could we go? You alone have the words of eternal life. God is at work, and these believers did not doubt that God the Father would take care of them in some far off different place, but they were confused as to what was happening today to them. And now their hearts were troubled. And Jesus says, Don't let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe in also me, a personal Lord, but I'm also a providential Lord. Have you ever been there where you believe your place in heaven is all secured? You're safe, you're in Christ, but you're wondering when something really hits you from the blind spot, where was God when that happened? Where is God when it happened? Well, what happened to you today? Of what you're coming in with? Not long ago, I received an email from the Sibbiot Matthew Akpan. He's our director in in, uh, Nigeria. And he wrote to me what happened to him. That's his family up there. By the way, you didn't know it. I've got a grandson over in Akban State. That's little Fletcher there, that little handsome boy. I mean, you just don't get a greater honor than having a little boy in Africa named after you. Uh, That just kind of melts your heart. He's a handsome little fella. I knew Nasibyot's father well. He went to be with the Lord. He was our director from 1985 in Nigeria. And a strong young man trained up in the Word of God. Here's what he wrote me on this particular day. This is the email I got. They came in with great weapons, breaking down the doors of the house and demanding money. All we had was thirty dollars. And we then gave them all that we had, but they were not satisfied. They severely beat us even with the little children. My wife's situation was the worst with a four-month pregnancy. They took away my motorbike I normally use to get to prison. Early this morning, I rushed my wife to our local clinic for treatment. The doctor informed me my wife's pregnancy was terminated and she needed medical care. You're serving the Lord in a very dark place, a dangerous place. You're giving it everything you have. You have your wife, you have your kids, everybody's vulnerable in that area. And then robbers come in and beat you. Imagine seeing your little kids and your wife beaten in front of your eyes, and there's nothing you can do about it. Do you think the Sibiot ever asked the question, Where is God now? Strong in the Lord, he persevered, the whole family. Persevered, trusting God, not understanding all the reasons for what happened, but willing to accept that they serve a providential sovereign Lord. And if our Lord suffered in this world, he said to us, Don't you think you ought expect to suffer too? And how did Jesus grow in wisdom and stature with man and with God as a man by the things that he suffered? How will you grow by the things that you suffer? The Decibiot wanted to see God at work. He wanted to see the Lord. That's what Philip says in our text. Show us the Father and it will satisfy us. Jesus then makes some of the most powerful statements with words that are absolutely incredible. Have you been with me such a long time, Philip? Three years. Don't you know that he that has seen me has seen the Father? Don't you know the work I am doing? I am in consultation and one with the Father and and we're working together. Don't you know everything you want to see in the Father, you see right before you and me. Jesus Christ does not lack one attribute or virtue that God the Father has. Now he's going to, in a few minutes, we'll see send another comforter as the first comforter, Jesus. He's going to send the Holy Spirit, and he's going to be just like Jesus, who's just like Father. That's why we say God is the triune God, eternally existing in co-equal persons of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's more than theology. That's practical implication from my life today to know I have a sovereign God that's living in me and moving and directing my life that whatever happens is a providential God. So Thursday I got word that my brother uh, next to me uh, just got cancer and we were texting back and forth Friday night, (laughs) sharing some stories together and uh, common things together. And you know what we both came down to the bottom line was? You know, that they tell you, you look at all the charts, you do all the statistics, and, and what stage of cancer you have, and how long is the life expectancy. And we both came to the conclusion, who gives a rip? The only thing that matters is we serve a sovereign, providential Lord, and our hands are in his hands, and the days of every man are numbered, and there is a day to be born, and there is a day to die, and hallelujah, he's got it all planned out. I don't have to sweat it. You get it? I I know it makes for a troubled heart. But to know that there is a God... Who sometimes gives me a gift that I may not particularly want, but he says, This is for my glory and for your good. Don't get any better than that. And that's why, when it happens, literally, trust me, literally, you don't have to fret for one second, not one, because he is able and he's providential. Beautiful. Take those words, and the next time you face through a deep valley, or you're going through one now, just know the great shepherd of the sheep who gave his life for you, who is your personal Lord, is also not only the good shepherd, but the great shepherd, that when he puts forth his sheep, what? He goes before them, leading you beside still waters. Moving on to a third principle, verses 12 to 14. We call it a prayer-answering Lord. Now these words of Jesus, as perplexing as they seem, are powerfully encouraging when you ponder them in in their context. Because the words in John 12 to 14 bear directly on our lives. And what they say is that all of us who believe in Jesus will carry on with his work. Not only that, but Jesus says, you're going to do greater works than I do. Now let me just read the verses up there before you. In verse 12. Truly I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will, be do, will he do, because I'm going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, that I'll do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Those are powerful words of assurance. And as you grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ... Those words will not appear to be and mean what they did at first when you were a very young believer. But as you have grown in the Lord and you have grown into his likeness and there is an intimate fellowship between you and the Holy Spirit of God, when you get on your knees and you pray, your prayer is not that you want this and you want that. Your prayer is, Lord, whatever your will is, that's what I want. And you learn to pray then according to the will of God. What did Jesus mean by we'll do greater works? There's a lot of suggestions, and I don't pretend to have the final answer on this. But I think what he's he's suggesting is the idea is never in history prior to this night. Could anyone proclaim a forgiveness or a redemption or an eternal life That was not based on something anticipated, which hadn't transpired yet. Namely, the finished work of Christ. But now, after Jesus finishes the work, ascends to heaven, and sends the Holy Spirit, He says, you're going to do much greater works than I have done. Not in a gift that is being anticipated, but in a gift that has been fully accomplished but he said it is finished on the cross, buried and rose again. And we go with great power throughout the world that we're going to have a greater impact on the world for salvation than he had himself. When Jesus was in his physical body, if he were in Capernaum or Magdala or Jerusalem, he was limited. He could talk to that one lady at the, At the well, he could talk to another there at the temple, but he was limited. But think today, did you know every day, just in round figures, over a quarter million people hear the gospel through the body of Christ, the spiritual body. His physical body limited him to one place at one time. His spiritual body is all around the world. Proclaiming the, the good news of the risen Christ even today. And those are the greater works that we're going to be doing and are doing, that God's doing through Osterville Baptist Church. The message we preach is not a message of a promised <clears throat> ransom, but a paid ransom. Paid in complete, paid in full. Paid in full for you, my friend. If you've never accepted it, it's paid in full. All that God wants you to do is accept the gift and thank him for paying the price for your ransom. Let I me mean, just make one last word about the troubled heart in prayer because I don't know of anything that mends my troubled heart like lifting my heart to God in prayer. I try to practice the acrostic of Acts. I don't say I always do it, but I try to do it. And, and his word always ministers to my troubled heart. And then his word along with some good music that focuses on the glory of God Always brings me out of any kind of state of a troubled heart. Acts, you begin with adoration. Don't just barge into his presence. Give me this and give me that. Do you realize into whose presence we come? The holy, eternal, omnipotent God of the universe. We come to worship him, adore him. We come to confess our sins. I'm not worthy in myself, but in Christ I'm worthy. We thank him for what he's done and then we make our prayers, supplication to him. It was about 50 plus years ago, 51, 52, I had four wisdom teeth embedded uh, that they took out. Procedures weren't the best 52 years ago, trust me. You talk about a troubled heart, that will cause a troubled heart, called a troubled mouth too. When I came out of the anesthesia, whatever it was they gave me, I remember the assistant to the dentist, the surgeon, she said, sir, she says, I think I know your favorite hymn. I said, really? She says, yeah, it's what a friend we have in Jesus. I, and I thought to myself, I didn't say this, but I thought to myself, what well, is? I love it. I don't know. It's my favorite. I said, why do you, Why do you say that? She says, when you were under the anesthesia, she's every time you could open your mouth and do anything, you began singing that song to us. What a friend! And maybe it was subconscious. I think, Lord Jesus, I need you now. You know, I mean, what a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Yeah, tell others about your troubled heart. But tell him about it. He alone can fix it. He alone can give you the supernatural, what you need at that hour. Faith in a prayer answering Lord. 16 to 24, so much here. Faith in a present and loving Lord. Faith in a present and loving Lord. For six months, Jesus had attempted to distill in his disciples that he had to go away, he was leaving. So he went to heaven. How can we say that Jesus is now in heaven, seated at the right hand of the Father, but yet Jesus is with us every moment of the day? The answer is found in 16 to 18. Verse 16, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments, and I'll ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, a comforter, to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive. Because it neither sees him, it doesn't know him. You know him, for he dwells with you, and he'll be in you. And I won't leave you orphans, I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more. But you will see me because I live. You will also live. Now, in this text of John 14, and then as you get to 16, the Holy Spirit is called by three names. He's called the helper or the comforter. It's the same word paraclete. It's the same word used by John of the Lord Jesus when he says, My little children, these things write unto you that you sin not. But if any man sins, we have a comforter. We have an advocate. We have a defense attorney. Somebody that's going to represent you at the, at the right hand of the Father. So I have a paraclete in heaven a parent comforter but I have a comforter on earth in the holy spirit. He's called the helper the comforter. He's called the spirit of truth. He's called the holy spirit. England's J.I. Packer writes about the Christian's ignorance about the person and work of the holy spirit. He says Christian people are not in doubt as to the work that Christ did. They know that he redeemed people by his atoning death. But the average Christian is in a complete fog as to what the work of the holy spirit does. They are for practical purposes in the same position as disciples who Paul met at Ephesus. We have not much as heard that there be any Holy Spirit. One of the uh, lessons in the Thrive Group, by the way, deals with the Holy Spirit. If you don't know about him and what he's done and what he wants to do in you, that's a good one to sign up for. In verse 17, Jesus promised that the Holy Spirit would abide in us forever. He does it by his spirit. He promised that we would never be as orphans, verse 18. What a wonderful promise. I remember March 4th, 1982, as though it were yesterday. And my same brother John, I mentioned him a few minutes ago, gave me a call, and as soon as I heard his voice, I knew something was up. Something that maybe I didn't want the phone call. Harry, mom's with the Lord. Heart attack. And I remember the heaviness, losing my mom. I was a 39-year-old man at the time. And I remember I'd do what I always do when you get news like that. I just wanted to be alone. And I took a walk down the road, Reynolds Mill Road, York, PA. And I remember the thought came to me. I, I never felt so alone in all my life. And I remember thinking, daddy went 18 years ago, mom's gone. And then the thought came, I'm an orphan. I always thought of orphans as little boys and little girls, you know, two, three, four, five years old. I don't care how old you are, there's something about a mom and dad, right? (laughs) I mean, you just like them. You like to be able to call them. And then that verse came like a dart from heaven. Harry, I won't leave you as what? An orphan. You're no orphan. Because I'll be the father and I'll be the mother to you and I'll nurture you like your mom did, and I'll be there to protect you like your father did. What a precious truth. Notice verse 23. It's I just love this verse, verse 23. Jesus said, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him. and We will come to him and we will make our home with him. That word is only found one other time. You know where it's found in John's gospel? I go to prepare a what? Home for you. That's where it's found. Now, God's got a home waiting for me in heaven. And guess what? I'm his home on earth. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit makes, he dwells and he makes his home in your body. And he will never leave you, he will never forsake you. While heaven is a prepared place for us, he's preparing us for that place. (laughs) Now notice the emphasis on the word love, which appears seven times in verses 16 to 24. I'm going to go very quickly here. Beginning down back at verse 16, he talks about the helper, the spirit of truth, not leaving orphans. But I'm going to pick it up in verse 21. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who one loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father. I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not as scared, said, Lord, how is it you'll manifest yourself to us and not the world? And Jesus said, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. And whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father who sent me. These talk of, about the disciples' love for the Lord, the Father's love for the disciple, Jesus' love for the disciples, how God's going to reveal more. Listen, he's going, to manifest. he's going to manifest. More and more of his personhood is going to come to those who love him. And those who love him will be the ones who keep his commandments and walk in obedience to God. These verses speak of love seven times. I don't know of any greater healing balm for the troubled, aching heart than the love of God. The Comforter, the Holy Spirit, stirs the love of God in our hearts so that we know that God is so infinitely wise that he cannot make a mistake, that he is so omnipotent he cannot be deterred from his purposes, that he is so loving he will never cause us needless pain. comforter has come and he indwells us. Oh spread the tidings round wherever man is found wherever human hearts and human woes abound let every Christian tongue proclaim the joyful sound the comforter has come Then that chorus says it the Comforter has come. The Comforter has come. The Holy Ghost from heaven. The Father's promise given. Spread the tidings round wherever man is found. The Comforter has come. Someday I hope to introduce a friend to you in this church by the name of Willie. Willie's become a dear friend of mine in a very short time. I had hoped to have a video, two to three minute for him to share with you, but it wasn't possible to do that. I work with Willie every Thursday in, in the jail. I spend an hour with him every Thursday. He's been in and out of prison for almost 70 years. He'll be 70 next May. In and out of prison. He's done hard time in hard places. At Barnstable House of Corrections is almost like Hotel compared to some of the prisons he's been in. I saw him put his faith in Christ the first, in fact, it was the first day I took Dean Smith with me in the prison. And then every time I I just devouring the Word of God. So a week ago, Thursday, when I was in there, and he told me how God used the verse that we had been studying in our series on John, in John chapter 14, verse 23, where he says, I will come and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. And as he was sitting across from me in his orange jump shoot, he has no teeth at all. An African American looks a little older than 70. He said, the night week before that night on a Tuesday night. He said it was the darkest night of his life, wanted to take his life. He was in that isolated cell all by himself. And I can still see him looking at me and with his eyes misting up and he says, I've never felt so all alone in all my life. Said it was awful. He says, then that verse came to me. Then his, I'm telling you, he had an aura about him like I've never seen in my life. I was spellbound. He had a radiance about him, and then that big grin with no teeth to be seen opened up. And he says, the Comforter has come. The Holy Spirit from heaven may his abode to me but making it real to me now and he says I've had such peace joy and love I can't even begin to put it into words and I just sat there listening and watching and just thrilled to the depth of my soul for what God was doing through my friend Willie I think you'll meet him someday I really do Dr. Oswald Smith was a great pastor in Toronto in the 20th century He wrote a lot of hymns but his favorite was Deeper and Deeper. Into the heart of Jesus, deeper and deeper I go, seeking to know the reason why he should love me so. Why he should stoop to lift me up from the miry clay, saving my soul, making me whole, though I had wandered away. And Willie pondered that, and came to the conclusion it was only by grace and through the love, unconditional love of God. And you know when we start applying these principles, then we experience John fourteen, twenty-seven, where the Lord Jesus Christ says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Notice he says again what he started with in verse one, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. That's what God wants for his children. It's what God wants for you. It's what God wants for every one of you. I know that. Because that's the heart of God. Let's close it out. Faith in a providing Lord. Note down in verse 26. He says the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the father will son. He'll teach you. He'll bring all things to remembrance. Later on he's going to say he's going to lead you. He's going to guide you. Leon Morris writes, the characteristic designation found throughout the New Testament is not draw attention to the power of the Spirit, His greatness, or the like. For the first Christians, the important thing was that He is the Holy Spirit. His character mattered most of all. And as our faithful guide, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, leading us and guiding us, will never guide us into anything that is contrary to the word of God. It will always be consistent with the word of God, with the Bible. And in that holy walk, he will give us peace, joy, and faith while immersing us in the love of God. About 20 years ago, Miro and I visited our daughter, younger daughter, Mary Jo, the one I was saying was just visiting with us this weekend. She was serving with pioneers in Bosnia right after the war, the Serbian, Croatian, Bosnian War, some of you may recall. They say that that area had more land mines than any other place of the world, and they say they'll never be able to get completely rid of them. Now, suppose there was a person, I remember when we were there, there are little yellow signs all over the place like you see up there, in other words, don't. Don't go into that area. Now suppose there was a person in Bosnia who who was a great guide and he was an expert and kind of even knew where the, the mines were until they could get rid of them. And he offers to guide Mary Jo as she travels in some uncertain areas. Would she say to him, no, I don't need you. I don't want you to guide me. Of course not. She would stay as close to him as she could stay. The guide would say, don't go over there. They're landmines, don't go there, they'll kill you, they'll maim you. So it is with the loving Holy Spirit. He lovingly clears us of the landmines, steers us clear of the landmines, planted by the enemy of our souls, who came to steal, to kill, and to maim and destroy us. Landmines. we face them every day. Young people face them every day. Landmines of immoral sexual relationship. My heart is troubled when I see so many professing Christians living with somebody that not their husband or their wife. And it doesn't even phase them. Because it just become the norm. Giving your purity away. When the Holy Spirit of God indwells you, you're his living temple, you're his home, you're his place. Taking illicit drugs, lying, stealing, robbing, lusting, pornography. Every day, every one of us, we face these landmines. And only as the Holy Spirit, our faithful guide, steers us, he will steer us clear of those. And you'll be glad you steered clear of them instead of being the disobedient disciple who then has a troubled heart. Marcus Wells wrote to him: Holy Spirit, Faithful Guide. Ever near the Christian side... Gently lead us by thy hand, pilgrims in a desert land, weary souls forever rejoice while they hear that sweetest voice, whisper softly, wonder, come, follow me, I'll guide thee home. Close the service this morning and go into the Lord's table. I can only hope and pray that if you came to church with a troubled heart today, that you can tell your heart to beat again. And remember that the Lord has repaired your heart. He's done all that he can and will do. And now it's time for you to tell your heart to beat again and get things right that are wrong. Seek him and know his peace, joy, faith, hope, and victory in your present life, no matter how difficult your life may seem at the present. What a wonderful thing now, and I can't think of a better way to conclude the message than just to focus on the love of God through the bread and through the cup. If you need the Lord, let us know. Elders, myself, will be around after the communion and prayer. We'd love to talk to you if we could.